Good morning, everyone. It is hard to believe that we are at week four of Advent. We have spent these last number of weeks exploring together the light of Christ and preparing our hearts to welcome this light of Christ here in this Christmas season. And now, as we near the end of Advent, it's hard to believe Christmas is almost upon us, but not quite. So as we get ready to dive into God's word together today, would you join with me in a word of prayer? Almighty God, this day may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, shaking us to new life in you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to offer a special thanks today to some of our children with First Nursery for coming and singing among us and singing Happy Birthday, Jesus. I especially love that today because it's appropriate that our children do come and share among us in this season of Advent into Christmas. After all, Christianity is a religion about children. Uh, it's a more of a religion about children than any other religion that you will find. You cannot have Christianity without a child, and specifically a baby boy who comes and is born among us. This is what Christmas is all about. In light of this reality, I've heard it said that Christianity is really not a spiritual religion. Now, to be clear, of course, it is a spiritual religion to some degree. I mean, we believe, uh, we affirm doctrine, uh, we pray, but Christianity is also more than those things. Christianity is also fleshy. It's also tangible. You, you can get your hands on it. Because followers of Jesus do not just believe in Jesus from a distance. We also affirm the incarnation. That is Jesus, God Almighty, coming among us in the flesh, up close and personal. Jesus, who in his divinity also takes on flesh and blood and body. Jesus, who in his divinity becomes tangible among us. And it just might be our children, our kids, who get this more than any of the rest of us and who remind us of the significance of the concept of the Word of God made flesh. They get it and they demonstrate it to us. After all, it's one thing to think about children. It's one thing to daydream about children, but it's another thing to prepare to live with children. I've always been amazed at the sheer amount of change that one little human being can bring into our lives. These little people who can't speak, they cannot articulate their thoughts, they can't stand or run or walk, they cannot feed themselves, they cannot defend themselves, they weigh all of about as much as a gallon of milk, give or take a pound or two, and yet they influence every single part of our lives. When kids come into our lives, they rearrange our schedules. They rearrange our thinking. They rearrange our actions. They rearrange everything, especially for women. Their bodies change. Each trimester of pregnancy brings its own joys and challenges. And as a side note, I love what we get to hear today with some of the interaction in the scripture between Mary and Elizabeth. I especially love hearing in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, where we hear this. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Translation, oh Mary, 
when you walked in, the baby just kicked me and did a somersault inside of me. I also love that Mary and Elizabeth are in different trimesters. And I wonder if some of the conversation that maybe we didn't get to actually hear in the scripture today was along the lines of Mary asking Elizabeth about some of the things that were going to come. Can you just hear some of the questions that maybe Mary was asking Elizabeth? Is my back going to hurt this much the entire time? Elizabeth, have you been this hungry too throughout your pregnancy? Elizabeth, do you feel sick in the morning or in the evening or all the time? There's just no getting around how fleshy, how tangible children are. And I'm sure if Mary and Elizabeth would have had the opportunity to have the technology that we do today, I can also picture them comparing sonogram pictures. I was just with a friend a few weeks ago, and he was showing me one of the first sonogram pictures of the new little one coming their way. But on the sonogram, they had digitally imposed a little Philadelphia Eagles helmet onto the child in the sonogram. Now, as a Steelers fan, that was a little bit hard to see, but it was fun to see how excited these parents are getting about their child and what is to come. When it comes to babies, of course they can be all cute. Of course they can be all innocent. But we also have to change their smelly diapers. Of course they make us laugh. But we also have to clean up after them if they throw up. Of course they look innocent when they're sleeping. But we also have to give them a bath and calm them down when they're crying. Of course, I loved it when my own kids were small. I, I did. I loved it in so many ways. But you know what I do not today currently miss? Getting up in the middle of the night because one of them is crying. Wedging my hand into the back seat to try to buckle them into their car seat every single time we went somewhere. Cleaning up the projectile vomit when they weren't feeling well. I guess you could say I do not miss some of the tangible realities of having a baby. Because it is so tangible and so fleshy. So here we stand on the threshold of the nativity, and we have this dialogue between these two pregnant women, Mary and Elizabeth. And if you look in the King James Version of Scripture, it more literally says in Luke that Mary was great with child. I love that translation. In other words, Mary, and I would assume Elizabeth as well, as she's nearing the end of her pregnancy, you're getting big. There's no hiding it. You are pregnant with a capital P. You're great with child. When we stop and think about it, this is all a rather carnal way to begin a spiritual text like the Gospel of Luke. I mean, here we have two women sharing obstetrical details with one another, swapping pregnancy stories. This is how the story of Jesus begins, with a fleshy conversation between two expectant mothers not very spiritual. Which is interesting because throughout the ages, the main agenda of most philosophies and most religions is to seek to get as spiritual as possible, almost treating the flesh as a bad thing. Even if you don't know very much about him, I'm guessing somewhere along the line, you've heard the name Plato. 
He's considered one of history's greatest philosophers. He was a Greek philosopher born in Athens, Greece, and he ended up founding the Platonic School of Thought. He was born somewhere around 425 BC, and he died around 348 BC, so he was around the age of 80 when he passed away. Plato gave birth to the philosophy that you could think your way out of your flesh, as it were. You could, with enough philosophical contemplation, rise above your lowy, lower, lowly bodily nature so that you got to eventually what was real, which was considered to be beyond the material world. In other words, if you closed your eyes and you got comfortable enough, you could think your way out of the current material world. And some of us love that idea. We love the idea that we can live into a vague sense of spirituality, that we can then turn into our own desires and live in the light of our own comforts. We love the idea that through certain spiritual thoughts and uplifting sentiments, we can climb up out of the muck and the mire of the material and fleshy and physical world to a more sophisticated spiritual realm. This might be one of the reasons we even gather for worship or come to church. We like singing songs that we enjoy singing. When we like meditating from a distance on Jesus to feel good. We enjoy looking at beautiful surroundings and leaving the trials of this world behind. In those ways, we long for the spiritual. We wanna leave behind many of the physical realities and annoyances of this world and just enjoy the beauty and the feel goodness of the spiritual world so that at least for a time, we might use the spiritual to try to escape this fleshy world. At least that's what we think we might want until Jesus comes. This Jesus has no intent on leaving the fleshy world behind which is why we hear in the Gospel of John that the Word became flesh, and why we see today that Mary is great with child, as she talks to Elizabeth, who's also great with child. I can't overstate how profound this concept was for the people of Mary and Elizabeth's time and our time now. The unique term that the Gospel of John gives for the Word is called logos. And we've talked about this concept before. The Logos was essentially the idea of the rational principle of the universe. It has a cosmic fiber to it in the existence of reality. And it was about as far away as from human carnal nature as possible. And John tells us that this Logos, this thing that is completely spiritual in many ways, will become flesh, will dwell among us. And that's what we see happening with Mary today. If anyone had wanted to dream up something that was absolute, complete, utter foolishness to the Greeks, then and now, John has outdone them. Because what John describes about the Logos becoming flesh is absolutely preposterous to anyone who understood the concept of Logos. As a former professor of mine once said, he said, it would be like taking a circle and saying, the circle became square, or infinity became zero. It was even more than this. There's an author named Susan Hinckley, and she said, it's like saying purity became filth and dwelt among us. 
it was more than absurd. It was, it was offensive to people who understood what Logos was really all about because it was understood the Logos would never, ever saddle itself with a human body and that it would, through time, defeat, if it, if it lowered itself into becoming human body, that would defeat the whole purpose of Logos. And yet, this is exactly what we see with Mary in the scriptures today. Today, we see that Mary has the word, Logos, become flesh within her, taking up residence within her human body. And what we discover then is that we do need something done about our flesh. We do need something done about our decaying, domineering materiality. But that something isn't this escaping of those things or the leaving them behind. Rather, Christmas is about welcoming God, who is spiritual and tangible, in our reality. It's about recognizing this light is not only out there, wherever there is at a distance, but this light is also up close, personal, experienced, and tangible as well. We so often think of God being completely spiritual, meaning that God also is going to rise above the materiality of this world, that we'll somehow just float up to God somehow, some way. So it's so strange to our way of thinking that here we have Mary and Elizabeth and we see just the opposite happening. Here we see God who comes in the flesh coming to dwell in the body of Mary. It's almost like God looks at us and says, you human beings, you're so frail, you're so enslaved, you're so finite, you're so limited. You do not have the ability to come up to me. So guess what? I in turn will come down to you. And the fancy theological term for this is incarnation, literally enfleshment, God divine coming among us as a tiny baby boy. This is what Christmas is all about. And it's in this season of Advent that we get ready for this enfleshment, this incarnation. You know what this means? It means if we're going to meet this God, if we're going to experience this God, we get to do it right here, right now, because this is where God is in the flesh. God is here now among us. It means that God is the light of the world, comes to be born among us so that we can experience God and not just ponder God from a distance. One of my favorite parts of what we hear today with Mary and Elizabeth is about everything that they're experiencing. They can feel the children moving within them. They experience the realities of having their whole lives turned upside down. They embrace the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that comes with the tangible light of Jesus Christ. We don't hear about God at a distance in some far off abstract way. No, we experience God up close specific, tangible, right where we are here and now. And this is such good news, church. This is really, really good news. Great and wonderful news that right here in the midst of whatever we find ourselves, God Almighty meets with us. And Mary got it.
She understood just how good this news was. It's why she could sing in places like Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 49, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. This isn't wishful thinking on the part of Mary. It's the result of experiencing the light of Christ in a very real, very tangible way. And because the light isn't far off, because it's not distant, because it's up close, because it is personal, Mary can also continue and say this. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He's lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Do you hear all the concretes in what Mary is sharing? Mighty deeds have occurred. Rulers have been brought down. The hungry have been filled. Israel has been helped. Mercy has been offered. Promises again fulfilled. Mary got it. She experienced it in a real and tangible and fleshy way. And so she sang about it because she couldn't hold it back in her soul. So she had to let it out. She had to sing. And traditionally, this has been called Mary's Magnificat, literally a hymn of praise. So in Luke, this term for glorified, it can also be translated magnified. Her soul magnified the Lord. I wonder if in these moments that means that the God who previously had only been a vague idea or concept in Mary's mind, some abstraction, some far-off distant thing, suddenly becomes magnified, zeroed in on to such a degree that Mary can now realize the tangible significance and reality of God among us, God within her. I wonder if in this moment of pregnancy, she saw or began to see who God really was so that she could focus on God in a way she never had before. In magnification, we know that something is expanded. So I wonder if in this moment of magnification in her own soul, if Mary is now experiencing God in a larger way, more expanded way, more pronounced way, with the God who is tangibly with her. All because the light becomes real, becomes tangible, becomes fleshy. What good, good news. And if God could do this with Mary, God does it for us. Mary carried the physical Son of God within her. You and I are not going to do that. But you and I today do get to carry the divine Holy Spirit within each one of us when we welcome Jesus into our lives as Lord and Savior. This means that once again, God gets up close and personal with you and with me. God continues to magnify in tangible ways in our lives as well. And part of the good news of God Almighty putting on flesh in this Advent and Christmas season is that means God joins us in our circumstances, whatever those circumstances may be. 
God doesn't just abandon us or tell us to simply endure until someday. God does not call to us from a distance and wish us warm platitudes. No, God comes close. God joins us in our trials and in our difficulties. God with us in our struggles with our families, God with us in our moments of anxiety and depression and fear, God with us in our overwhelm, God with us in the midst of violence and injustice, God with us in the midst of the medical diagnoses, God with us in the unfair accusations, God with us in the weariness, God with us in the exhaustion, God with us in the hopelessness, God with us in every way, specifically, tangibly, concretely. This light shines in the darkness up close and personal in very fleshy, even carnal ways. And that is such good news. Mary got it. How about us? A few weeks ago, Michael, who works with our college students here at First Church, took a number of students on a day-long retreat on a Saturday. And many of the students who attended that day had no faith or at least had many questions about faith. And the focus on the day was forgiveness. Michael led them through the day. They had discussions and exercises related to forgiveness. And at the end of the day, Michael did something incredibly extraordinary and ordinary at the same time. He took a chance and decided to share communion with them. Michael and I talked about this beforehand, and I had a chance to bless the elements, and Michael shared with me how he wasn't exactly sure how communion might be received among these students with lots of questions about faith. What would they think, especially those who had no church connection? But at the end of the day, Michael gave the students a chance to share in communion. He was very clear. He described what communion was what it represented as the body of Christ being sacrificed on our behalf, what was offered within it, the grace and the forgiveness as we learn to repent. And he shared all the elements that were needed and part of the communion experience. Again, that repentance and embracing of Christ as Lord and Savior. And then he gave an invitation and he wondered what would happen. Would any of the students respond? Would a few? And you know what happened? Amazingly, almost every single student who had no church connection or direct walk with God prior to that time decided to share in the communion experience. They chose to do it. And I wonder if a large reason why was that in that meal at that moment, the love and the forgiveness being offered by God to them was no longer abstract. It's no longer floating out there somewhere, but now it was up close and tangible and present. The forgiveness could be seen, held, even tasted in a tangible, fleshy way through this holy meal. This is the way God chooses to get spiritual. We all want to get spiritual. We all want to get close to God. And we in following Christ, in the body of Christ, realize that the church says to us, here, have some bread, drink some juice. This is as godly as we get. 
And so we get ready for the Savior who comes among us, not to deliver us from our flesh, but to redeem us in our flesh. This is, again, why I was so glad our kids could be sharing with us throughout this day and, again, singing the happy birthday, Jesus. What better way to prepare in a tangible way for the Savior than with our kids? Because Christ came as a kid, a child among us. And children are about as fleshy and as carnal as it gets. So yes, when they're infants, we do change the smelly diapers. But we also get to snuggle them and embrace them and experience them and love them. Just a few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go over to First Nursery for a morning and spend a little time with our kids there. Before I left, you know what they did? A group of them spontaneously just came up and grabbed my leg and hugged me. Just hugged me. It was so good and so real and so tangible to get that kind of love specifically on that day. And so, yes, we clean up after kids when they throw up, but we also coo and laugh with them as we hold them and make faces at them. And yes, we must comfort them when they cry and wash them when they get dirty, but we also have the profound privilege of watching them grow up right before our eyes and experiencing such special and wonderful moments and memories with them. It's all so wonderfully fleshy. Thanks be to God that Christ is not just a distant wish, but at Christmas becomes the tangible light that transforms our lives in very practical, very hands-on, very fleshy ways. This Christmas, let us realize how close the light comes as Mary and Elizabeth share with us this day. And may our souls, like Mary's, magnify the Lord as we embrace the light of Christ, the child who is the Christ among us this day. Thanks be to God. As we get ready to go this day, I invite us to go in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, embracing the light of Christ in the Christ child in the most tangible and fleshy of ways that we would experience just how much Christ loves us and that we might experience that love together. Go in peace and joy and hope and love this day and let us serve the Lord together.